Hey, it's Ben Bailey-Smith here. And Sasha Bates. And as season one draws to a close of the podcast that puts fictional TV characters into therapy, there's a few special bonus episodes that we're going to chuck out there for you just to answer some of your questions and explore a little bit deeper because we just haven't got that kind of time, Sash, frankly, no, have we? we haven't. In a normal episode. <laughs> there's, too, there's too much to talk about. So coming up, we're going to look at stands, you know, obsessive fans. We're going to look at how problematic characters get away with much, much more because they're just, they're basically just buff. And Seinfeld in an alternative universe. Mm. Um, as ever, you can expect some naughty words and spoiler-filled chat and all of that. Welcome to shrink the inbox. All right, let's kick off with some suggestions. Oh, we love getting them. This is from Switzerland, our first Swiss correspondent. It's Lisa. And she says, hello. I'd really love for you to talk about Dre, Dominique Fishback from the Amazon miniseries Swarm. Sort of comedy horror thriller vibe. Have you you seen this? No, I've not heard of it. Okay. Um, She says it follows Dre, who's a young woman uh, whose obsession with a pop star takes a dark turn. Oh, I like the sound of that. It's a really dark, interesting story about how stan culture goes too far. It's about broken family dynamics and how destructive grief can become. Thanks and keep up the good work. All right. There's a couple of things in there. Comedy horrors, obviously, you know, can can be big on the psychology but most of the time they are are not i mean i'm thinking there's definitely attempts like uh, some of the stuff your man jordan peele does mm. i think he's definitely like sort of slots into that oh there's there's laughs and there's horrific things and i want it to mean this thing about our psyche sometimes gets it right sometimes doesn't the other thing that's in this is the mention of stands have the, you ever had a stan i did once yeah i was in mumbles there's a place, it's in Wales, uh-huh. it's called Mumbles, uh-huh. it's like a little coastal town. Uh-huh. And I went there to do a, a gig once. This is in my days of being like a part-time underground rapper, youth worker by day. So I'm not making any money, I'm not doing uh, big gigs or anything like that. I'm just taking what I can get and I get offered a gig that's half decent money. I guess it would be like £100 or something. But I still got to drive to fucking Mumbles <laughs> uh, with my DJ. And um, I get there and of course no one's at the gig. It's like in the back of a... I don't know what it was. Like a, It looked like an amusement arcade or something like that. It's in the back room. It sounds uh, very Gavin and Tracy oh, so far. <laughs> There's no stage and like there's a few rugby boys who like wandered in and it was, it was a bit of that just got through it and then I was like all right you know can we just go to the hotel and and the guy who'd booked me he was like oh yeah so you know there's not really a a lot of options uh, uh, this weekend but don't worry because I've got you basically self-contained it's like on top of my flat it's fine and I was like okay and and my DJ he's like yeah I mean there there should be I'm just like this is not going well we walk into the flat (laughs) and in the living room there's like a mantelpiece above the fire. And bear in mind, I'm very underground. People don't really know who I am. This is like very early 2000s. He's got like my mixtape that I put out. He's got like my first single that I put out. He's got a couple of pictures oh, of me. God. And they're all on the mantelpiece. Oh, and then God. there's a Sharpie. And it's just, it looks like there's something about the vibe of it, like how they're all symmetrically oh. laid out. And then the Sharpie at the end. Mm. I just got this image mm. of him looking at the sharpie 
and then repositioning it and then positioning it again <laughs> and then positioning it again and then coming to meet me. Oh. And it just freaked me out. And I was like, I looked at my DJ and he, you could just, he was just like, we're not fucking staying here. Mm. And uh, that's terrifying. We, we drove all the way back. <gasps> From Wales, yeah, yeah, Jeez. and like and, you know, at this point we're like we're leaving. At yeah, like no, I don't midnight, blame one you. One in the morning or something. Mm. Oh, it's horrific. <laughs> um, so that's the closest I got to a stand. But you know, there is a hip hop origin to stands because uh, I guess some people miss it, but most people will know it comes from the Eminem, Eminem song, song. Yeah, stand about an obsessive fan yeah. and Eminem being such a you know a, a bigger pop cultural influence than half the shows we've talked about in this entire yeah. series has created a word that's entered the lexicon, which is always a, a, a an interesting thing. Mm. When I think about it in, in screen terms, I, I think of King of Comedy. Oh, Remember yeah. that movie? Yes, With yes. Robert De Niro. It, yeah, of course. And he's like a massive fan of Jerry Lewis, mm. who's playing, a, is he playing himself? Or he's playing like a Jerry Lewis type I can't type remember, it's so character. long ago. Oh, yeah. it's worth rewatching. Mm. Really, really fucking creepy. What do you think is in the psyche where where it spills over into that I need to cross this boundary and this person needs to acknowledge me yeah. we need to have this moment together like what yeah where does that come from there's a novel by Ian McEwan called Enduring Love where they have a similar situation where a character played by Reese Ifans becomes obsessed with somebody and it's not a famous person I don't think if I remember the the book and the film rightly but yeah people can get really latch on. It's like they represent everything that they want in their life and they can't separate out their desire for that person from any sort of reality. So every time the person says, I don't want you, you are not my um, boyfriend or girlfriend, um, they just take it to mean that, oh, they're playing hard to get. And I mean, it happens in in real life as well, not Mm. just with, with fans. But it's a sort of an idealization of an image of what you want a person to be. What the, You can't distinguish the representation of what you want them to be from the fact that they are a real person with their own wants and hopes and desires. Right. It is, it is interesting, isn't it? That yeah. your, your insecurities can manifest themselves in yeah. believing that this unattainable person yeah, could it's like the ultimate fill a object- little gap. Yeah, it's like the ultimate objectification of somebody. You are what I need you to be and your own desire for me or your even your ability to know who, that I exist is irrelevant because I have decided that that is what you, you need to be. I, mean, I was obsessed with so many different c- celebrities, actors, singers... Uh, in that 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 you know that stage of life when you really get deep mm. into it when you're a teenager right yeah. when you're like a young teen 13 14 15 but i didn't even like write to you remember fan clubs yes i didn't no. even do that i was just no. like that's too far yeah you know I, mean? I mean i'm obsessed with, i've got the posters and everything i'm not gonna fucking try and talk to them no no well i mean that's healthy <laughs> to be able to understand that just because you love them doesn't mean that they're gonna well, love you back that's the thing right <laughs> that's exactly what i thought like mm. the fear of like what if they're just really rude or they just like brush well, brush past me well know? they do say don't ever meet your heroes don't they they do and and like as i as i've got on order and have met heroes i met one very recently i was a huge gangstar fan when i was a teenager and i eventually met their producer dj Premier, and he was bloody lovely oh good yeah that's nice to hear really nice mm, lovely so sometimes meet your heroes i think mm. just ju- judge it in the moment is what i say do you mm, know what i mean yeah sometimes you look over and someone's ha- like I don't know, in a domestic with their kids. You think, this is not the time to say hello to Tom Hanks. 
<laughs> yeah, play it by ear. I've actually got one here from Avatar, which kind of looks at fame from the inside. This is an email from Vancouver, all the way from Vancouver. And Avatar says, uh, hello, first heard of your show in a Guardian article. It's very Ooh, highbrow. Yes. For, I like the fact that... A couple the... of people just swear and talk about... <laughs> <laughs> dreams and sex and <laughs> killing and drugs and now i'm hooked i'm recommending it to everyone one show i'd love to see your take on is i hate Susie. Yes. Mm, yeah and that's another one i need to yeah, see yeah it's great i loved um, it billy piper's breakdown is depicted in an unreal fantastical visually arresting manner that i've never seen before thanks avatar uh, yeah i mean one of the things in i hate Susie is her relationship with fame do you ever get stopped on the street i mean what's your uh, level day. of do you? Every single day. Really? Yeah. And how do you and cope it might, with it that? Might not, it might not be 10 times a day. It might just be once a day or twice a day. But, but it it's, it's every, every single day. Wow. Does that um, feel oppressive? I think I would. that would drive me up the wall. So it depends on your mood and what you're doing. My brother had written a little play and I was, you know, I was, I was worried that I was going to miss it. Mm. So I was hurrying into this venue. It was one of those plays where it's like above a bar. Oh, yeah. And you have to go through the bar. And I went in and it just happened immediately. And I was just like, I really don't have time for a stop and chat and photos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really inconvenient. I was really like, like, someone shouted out my name and I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, showbiz smile. And I was like, I'm late for a play. I just said it because I was like, that's probably the quickest way. But it's every day. 99% of the time, it's it's all really nice and friendly. Mm. But... My favourite people who stop me are the ones that don't... They don't stop walking. They don't break stride. Right. Hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. They're amazing. Those guys. If you're one of them, I'm just sending my love out (laughs) to you now. You you don't want to waste my time, but the reason I respect you even more is because you don't want me to waste your time. You've got shit to do. (laughs) I love that. Keep doing what you're doing. Lovely affirmation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you mean to people. That's really nice. All right. This could end up being a question for you, actually. Sasha, this this email is from Ali, who says they are formerly of Dalston. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hey, Ben and Sasha, I've been loving your podcast since hearing about it. When Ben's inheritance tracks were played on Radio 4. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I gave a big plug. I just plugged the show wherever I go. Good. Yeah. And um, (laughs) I'm very excited to hear that Top Boy was next on your list. Although I think Sully would be a much more complex, interesting and conflicted subject for your analysis than Jamie. Maybe too much for a 25 minute session. Following Ben's comments about the male characters in This Is Us being too ripped to identify (laughs) with, I have a similar feeling about the main characters in Top Boy, a show I love, don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm sorry to interject onto the email, but in Top Boy, everyone's a lot younger. Yeah, so, yeah, less annoying. They tend to be boys, like, they're running around doing this. This Is Us, there's just no reason (laughs) for these middle-aged men older than me. Anyway, um... I think it'd be much harder to root for the psychopaths that are Duchesne, Sully and Jamie if they weren't also gorgeous looking. Interesting, Ali. Okay. But of course, their lovely faces are part of the pleasure of watching the show, aren't they? Can't wait to hear what you've got coming up. Uh, thanks again for a great listen. Cheers, Ali. Okay, mm. the interesting point that sort of crept out of there, Sash, which is why I think it might be a question yeah. for you. Why, why do we root for the psychopaths and why are producers making psychopaths hot? Well, I think that... I'm looking at you, you. <laughs> well, well, yes, exactly. Well, I think they have to make them good looking in a TV show because otherwise we wouldn't root for them because I think psychopaths are really hard to root for in real life because they've got nothing going for them. Um, once you get beyond the surface charm, I mean, they are very charming. That's how they get away with it. But then behind that, when you realise that there is nothing... Yeah, um, I remember this is it. why you 
when we first thought about doing um, Killing Eve, Killing Eve, yeah. I was thinking, oh yeah, we got. I mean, we got to do Villanelle, Villanelle the villain. And you were like, no, because there's, there's, there's nothing to dig into. No, she's a psycho. She has no emotions. Yes, but she's absolutely gorgeous and wears lovely outfits. Yes. So that you do, and she's also very funny. And of course, she's written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But I think in TV shows, it is very different because they have to make them watchable and you have to root for them. I don't know how many real life psychopaths are gorgeous. I don't. I don't know any real life. Yeah. Like that, so I, I um, think it's I think it's uh, one of those TV tropes. This is one yeah, of those dramatic license. Bit of dramatic license. Yeah. Although I suppose there is nar- narcissism is a big part of it, isn't it? So maybe there's there's well yeah well preferred psychos out there. Let us know if you're one of those. <laughs> All right. So coming up after the break, we're going to be looking at Seinfeld a bit more. Wondering if the characters weren't quite as selfish and a few more of your favorite people to cover of course so we'll see you after the ads unless you very wisely i must say subscribe to the take channel in which case we'll be back right after this little musical ditty Hey, it's Ben here. Shrink the Box is sponsored by BetterHelp. And most of us are very busy. We find it hard to fit an extra, well, extra anything into our day. But what if you had another hour every day? Imagine that. I'd start by working through the massive list of TV shows you guys have got me watching for Shrink. Thing is, we'd all love more time. But actually, if something's really important to us, we prioritize it and make time. And therapy can help you identify what matters to you. And how you can do more of it. So if you're thinking of starting, give BetterHelp a try. I know, I use it. It's great. You get matched with a registered therapist. You can switch if it's not clicking for, for no additional charge. It's all online. And that saves you those precious minutes, right? So with over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash shrink the box today to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash shrink the box. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right, and we are right back, as promised. Um, We've got a regular emailer, Sash. We've got someone Ooh. who actually got in touch more than once. Oh, um, a uh, This is Stu from Suffolk, Virginia. Not on the east coast of the UK, who's uh, he's he's got in touch before, and he does have a good way with words, so we had to include this one. Uh, Stu says hello, Ben, Sasha, and the STB production team. I'm a few eps behind and just listened to the George Costanza episode this morning. I too find George a bit uncomfortably relatable in mm-hmm. how the slightest thing can spiral me out if I don't catch it and self-regulate. It's just so easy to let the mildest anxiety stressor become a mental mountain. You touched briefly on Jerry winding him up at one point, and I'm glad you pointed that out. In a kinder show, 
Jerry and George would both have an arc where they both grow out of these traits. I can imagine a Shit's Creek-esque Seinfeld where George's fiance maybe gets sick but doesn't die and he learns how to process hard things without spinning out. And maybe Jerry even is able to drop his detachment and be genuinely supportive of his friend. That would of course be an entirely different show but in the non-fiction world, it's what I would hope for. Your mentioning how many people watched the series finale made me think of the finale of another earlier sitcom that actually set and still holds, I believe, the record for the most watched broadcast in America that isn't news or football, which is MASH. Oh, lovely MASH. Oh, man. I grew up watching this show in syndication and the 4077th is near and dear to me. I think there would be a lot to dive into here. The show takes several different personalities, from militant army lifers to zany, rebellious, drafty doctors, throws them into an impossible situation, a medical outpost for casualties in the Korean War, and stirs week after week. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Major Houlihan's insistence on standard operating procedure and following orders and the chain of command in the middle of absolute chaos, or Hawkeye's practical jokes and snide commentary deflecting how torn a party is over the carnage you can't make sense of and can't do anything about. It's a great show and has some good potential clients, in my humble opinion. Thank you for this show. I'm enjoying it so much. Well, good I mean, chance. what an argument for yeah. MASH. And I mean, it'd be great. I mean, from the start, I've been wanting to see how far back we might go because... Mm. I think the oldest show we've done is probably Friends. I think Seinfeld's predates. Oh, no, wait, Seinfeld, of course. Yeah, yeah Seinfeld started in the 80s, didn't it? 89? I think it did, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the same year as The Simpsons. You're right, yeah. So 89 is the furthest we've gone back, so it'd be great to go back to something even older. I watched MASH as a, a child mm, as well, but too. not. it wouldn't have been in syndication. It would have been like a huge rerun for us for some reason mm. because presumably it started in the... 70s? Yeah, I don't know. My history, my grasp of history is pretty In my mind, poor. it doesn't look like the 80s, MASH. Maybe it was. Maybe it ended in the 80s. I think I was quite young when I watched it. I was it. young, but I, I enjoyed it. I liked, yeah. Because there was a guy who'd like, was it Klinger? Yeah. Was sort of the kind of clown. <laughs> yeah. He reminded me of Animal from The Muppets for yeah. some reason. Yeah. But yeah, that would be, was, that'd be a weird throwback, wouldn't it, if we did MASH? Was it MASH? Was it Klinger who was tr kept trying to pretend to be mad in order to get That's sent right. home? That's so right. Like, yeah. You know, he dressed like crazy, put on like lipstick or something or just come out in his pants. or he was just always trying something yes. different. Yeah. And they never did send insanity. him home because no. they thought that it was a bit like that Catch-22 where, you know, yeah. if, if yeah. you uh, if you recognise that you're mad, then you're sane enough to stay or something. <laughs> but yeah, I love that show. Yeah. All right. Great shout. Thank you, Stu. Who's this one from? Uh, Kerry Hagen. Oh, you like this. Uh, teacher of English for years 9 to 13 at the co-educational boarding and day school in Whanganui, Ooh. New Zealand. Kerry says, I often use your show to spark discussions of literary characters in my senior English classes. I find it interesting that so many of our modern protagonists are so unlikable. And I wonder what that says about modern society. Now, I know she's not strictly a TV character, but have you considered Abigail Williams from Arthur Miller's The Crucible? Mm. Well, we haven't because she's not strictly a TV character, but we would. <laughs> if they make a TV series out of it, we yeah. would. Um, I think my, my takeaway from that email is that we're being played in schools I in know. New Zealand. I know. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Uh, I'm hoping that Kerry edits out the swearing. <laughs> um, otherwise, we're going to get an email from whatever they call her teachers in uh, 
Wanganui. Mm. But the Crucible is fascinating. I mean, all of Mar- Arthur Miller's work is oh, fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, it would be great if it did become a TV show. But yeah, it's on in. There's a stage version on in London at the moment, That's right. actually. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see. I haven't been to it, but I'd love to see how they... You know what the what the current take on it is because that it, it there's something I don't know to me there's something a bit social media like about it in that sense of um, somebody getting an idea and it's spreading like wildfire and everybody leaping on that bandwagon and yeah it's not dissimilar hunts. the yeah. witch hunts and the cancel culture and the uh, just that absolute piling in on somebody yeah. the, who's the great works always they find a new relevance they you know, yeah. it comes around again I think. Yeah, they really do. So I don't know if the current production would have any of that resonance in it, but that's just what occurs to me, that predisposition, I guess, that goes from back then to to now, Mm. to to want to be part of a sort of a baying horde who kind of points the finger at one person. We got another Ben who says he's in a markedly unexotic but currently very sunny Birmingham. You'd take that, really, wouldn't you? (laughs) As long as it's sunny. Um, ABBS and SB. I only heard about this podcast thanks to Ben's appearance on Radio X. Look, my wow. plugging's going so it's well. It's working. I don't just do Radio 4, I do Radio X. I'll do anywhere. Like, if I'm on, I'm talking about Shrink the Box. Great. It works. It does. Um, Keep at it. As soon as you described it, I knew I, I knew it was going to be the one for me. Uh, since then, I've listened to almost all the episodes. Skip Bloodline and Happy Valley because I've not seen those shows yet. Although, I will. that's a good shout. I don't think I'd want to listen to our Bloodline one if I hadn't watched Bloodline. Um, no, personally. although a friend of mine did, and it made her go back and watch it, even though we'd done all the spoilers. Oh wow! Um, Fair okay. But I think it's better better not yeah. to. But it's it's great to hear that you can listen absolutely even without having seen the show. That's... And Ben will be back once he's listened. He he's, will. Uh, watched yes. those. He says clearly we have very similar tastes in TV because I've seen all the others. I think it's great becoming taste. clearer that we're living in a golden age of television, typified by shows that centre around complex and well-rounded characters. And I think this podcast is a perfect way of exploring them. Every episode of Shrink the Box has made me want to go back and watch those shows again, which I think is a testament to how good you two both are at bringing their richness to life. Uh, Here's some character thoughts from Ben. Uh, Dozens I'd like you to hear about. Curtain from this country. (laughs) Carrie from Homeland. Anyone but especially Shauna uh, from Yellow Jackets would be perfect. I think I also suggested Yellow Jackets early on. I've not seen. He says because of the formative trauma and the results 25 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Goldberg from You. No, not for me. No psychopaths. <laughs> no. Too boring. Okay, but I, I appreciate it, Ben, and I love the love. The love. And what, oh, he's got another, he's got one more suggestion Homer Simpson. Yeah. The ultimate. When Homer keeps coming he back, does. and I think we can't ignore him for much longer. I, I'd love to see him <laughs> pop up in, in season two. And if we do Homer Simpson, that would be our joint oldest alongside 89 Seinfeld so there yeah. we go um, we are working our way back and but it shows the quality that they're still enduring now that these shows started in the 80s and we're still talking about them oh man we're still yeah, watching absolutely. them the, the, the quality of the writing and the quality of the characters those are the two key things that keeps it going mm. it's interesting that he says that we're, we're living in a golden age of television I, I think that's at threat with um the the way the industry's going at the moment. I mean, the writers have been on strike for half this half this series that we've been celebrating. Mm, writers, yeah, writers have been on strike. Yeah, and the actors have just joined. And now them. the actors have have joined. And you know, we've got to be careful because we love all this content, 
But if we don't support the industry properly, all that's going to be left of your golden era of television is going to be fucking cookery shows, man. Yeah. Reality shows. And that that, that leaves me and Sash without a podcast. Mm. We'll just have to work backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be doing I Love Fucking Lucy. <laughs> yeah, Mary Su- Tyler Moore. <laughs> support, support your writers, support your... Uh, screen your set designers support your vfx mm. artists mm. if you notice shonky vfx in any recent movies probably because the vfx artists are being paid peanuts anyway that's my rant over it came right in the middle of ben's email I'm, I'm so sorry ben but thank you for the love all right let's do another one next week so are you up for that yeah i'm up for that i love to i love hearing from our listeners wicked all right well thanks to the production team as ever uh, production management is Lily Hambly. The assistant producer is Marnie Woodmead. Social media is Jonathan Imieri. The studio engineer is Teddy Riley. And the mix engineer is Gulliver Tickle. The senior producer is Selena Reem. And the executive producer is Simon Poole. Uh, do follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts to get new apps. Tell everyone you can. We can make more. If you want to listen to Shrink the Box and get Kermo de Mayo's take ad-free, and all their bonus stuff, you know what to do by now. Subscribe to Extra Takes. Start your free trial now by clicking Try Free at the top of the Shrink the Box show page on Apple Podcasts, or just go to extratakes.com on your browser. So if we're going to do it again next week, Sash, mm. what, 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 should we, what should we build this nonsense around? Well, I think we have more to say about ghosts. We didn't. Oh, you know, the ghosts didn't get a fair swing of the. No, and they're so interesting. And I think they really represent. Yeah, they represent a lot of different things that we could uh, maybe pick up on. So. We weren't allowed to waffle at the live show. No, no. We had to get in and get out. We did. Like, you're done. Move on. There's another show coming in. Probably (laughs) Louis Farouk's coming in now. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we can give the ghosts their due. And that's going to be good as well because. It's probably the only show, no, definitely the only show that we've done where the writers are the actors, are the characters, are the writers, are the actors. Yes. You know oh, well, Jerry Seinfeld is also oh, yeah, the no, writer Jerry, and the yeah, character. Yeah. But Jerry, um, Second time I've forgotten what Seinfeld being an originator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerry writing for Jerry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's and it is great that the writers are also the actors in mm. Ghosts. You yeah. feel it's a, a real kind of labour of love. And it gives it an extra layer of richness, I think different yeah. from your your average sitcom all right can't wait for that and and obviously more of your emails keep gushing it's fine if you've got some <laughs> issues send them in as well you got issues with anything that we because you know sometimes i think you know that especially with the amount of professionals that we got listening maybe sometimes they think oh but actually there's this other layer to that you haven't even absolutely mentioned. yeah so don't be shy yeah sasha's not precious and no. I, I i learn shit every week so i'm not going to be like no no that's that's nonsense you're thinking of attachment theory no i'm not <laughs> i'm going to be like fuck wow my brain's been blown so please do yeah uh, write in and we will see you for another shrink the inbox next week until Bye. then ta-da